Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of football recruiting news that we'll get to in the top of the show. And in the back half of the show, we're continuing our top 10 series. Last episode, we did the top 10 overall players for Wisconsin football. Today, we'll be doing the top 10 most important players. So it may not necessarily be the the, the top talent across the board, but it might be guys that if they have a big year, it could really set up Wisconsin football for a strong season. And if they have a down year, could maybe make things a little bit more difficult for the Badgers. A little bit more open-ended than just picking the 10 best. Should be a lot of fun to go through that um, and see where some names land. Um, and so if you haven't checked out the top 10 from earlier in the week, go do that. Um, and then this one will be our second part of the series. And I think we're both looking forward to it. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. I think there's going to be some discrepancies. Once again, I know we, some of our answers were fairly similar on the last one, but then we did have some, some wide gulfs with some different players. Um, and, and it was fun to see what people put in the um, messages and in the chat of mm-hmm. our comment section. So keep commenting on the articles, letting us know from the podcast what you liked. Give us your own list. Um, based off this, um, I will say I don't think you want me specifically singing. I know that was brought up that one of us should sing. I don't think you want that. Tyler, I don't know if you have a better voice. I am, I am not a singer either. I quit choir in, in middle school after I got an undeserved attention. So uh, that, that went out the window for me pretty early <laughs> growing up. Um, but uh, I never did choir at all, so I think you <laughs> well, got me by a little bit. <laughs> I can sing the tequila song. That's always the go-to at karaoke. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that, that sometimes people can have a, have trouble telling the difference, but maybe we'll try and figure out a way that I can, uh, you know, bust out a ballad or two on the episode. But, you yeah, know, this should be a fun one. And, and like Matt said, yeah, I guess keep, we love the comments, so, so keep, keep them going. It's always fun to hear from what you guys think and, and your type of list and stuff like that. So before we get into the top ten, let's talk a little recruiting. Um, last episode, we talked about Avion Jones, of course, decommitting um, from Oklahoma State, and he was, of course, going to be visiting the Badgers before he committed. Now he has officially set up his official visit to Wisconsin. He'll be in that um, that June 17th window, I believe. Um, so the Badgers sound like they're very much in contention here again. Not all that surprising because he was, of course, considering Madison before the commitment, some things must happen, fell through, and now the Badgers are back in play here. So it, it's certainly big news. Um, it seemed like it was trending that way, but to get the official visit is always great. So what do you make of, of that update? I think it's huge. He, he's a guy that was, was an early offer for them. They've been on him for a while. And I know the Badgers were in a pretty good spot and, and pretty high on on their chances to get him. But then all of a sudden he made that abrupt commitment to, to Oklahoma State. I think he's kind of – re-looking at things, wanting to take some visits. And he's going to be the only cornerback that comes in that weekend, but you're looking at a really strong group. You'll also have Miles Burkett on campus, the possibility of a guy like Barrett Nelson committing 
uh, as well that weekend. Um, so you could see a, a lot of dominoes moving. I don't know how quickly he's going to be looking to make a decision after uh, going ahead and kind of being burned the first time making a, a, a quick decision. But maybe maybe he already knows in his heart that Wisconsin or somewhere else uh, like Louisville is where he wants to end up. But I think really right now it, it seems like it's going to be one of those two um, and Wisconsin's in the mix, and hopefully they can close the deal. Yeah, it, it's always good when you get a player on campus. You can give him your best pitch and, and just see um, you know, where his head's at. It could be a situation where, yeah, he wants to get to you know one of those other schools of contention, see the campus. I know um, we've talked about the recruiting dead period a lot and, and some guys not seeing school. So to make a commitment without really seeing a ton of places is – Certainly nerve-wracking. I'm sure that could have been part of it, and, and now he wants to go and, and see some schools and see what he can, um, you know, the, the possibilities that are out there. So I think Wisconsin's in a good spot where they can hopefully um, get him on campus and, and, and make their best pitch and, and see what happens. I know they're very high on him as a player. Um, you know, coming from uh, the state of Texas, got a lot of talent in there, and, and they feel like they can make a, uh, a strong pitch to him, and hopefully they land him because I think he'd be uh, a welcome player in Wisconsin. Brings uh, a lot of talent. Um, to wherever he ends up is going to be getting a player that I, I think can mold and, and groom into a really strong corner uh, for, for years to come. Yeah, and, and really, I'm glad you brought up the fact that he plays in high-level Texas football because he goes to South Lake Carroll, which is one of the, the most dominant high school high schools in the state, really big powerhouse. If you've heard of Quinn Ewers going to Ohio State, um, they, they pump out talent year in and year out. So not only would him – potentially committing have strong leans towards right now and hit him just bringing a lot to the the field but also it have could have ripple effects to kind of get a, a little foothold into that really good high school all right moving on down the line in terms of news four-star defensive tackle kj miles trimmed his list to the top three uh, which includes georgia tech texas and wisconsin Held a ton of other offers from from some big schools, um, but really not all that surprising that these are the last three. These are the three official visits he's taking. I believe it's Georgia Tech first, then Wisconsin, and then he's taking an official um, to Austin, Texas. So you you kind of got a good picture of where he might end up. It's going to be one of those three. Do you still feel good about UW's chances? I know there's been some predictions in Crystal Ball that favor Wisconsin right now, but there's still some visits to be had. But I think right now to have a You'll be in contention for a four-star defensive tackle like that against a school like Texas is a big one. Georgia Tech, of course, an up-and-coming program could be a big one. But I think right now it's a, I think the Badgers are in a good spot to hopefully make a push here. Yeah, I think the Badgers are in a great spot. Now it's about closing. And you, you, ha- you, you have to wish that Wisconsin was that last official visit mm-hmm. instead of him going to Austin. Um, both campuses are really, really nice. Um, and, and I think he's going to enjoy his time. He also is heading out to Atlanta um, on the 11th. I, I think Wisconsin's still in a really good spot, and hopefully they can close the deal. But really, um, I think education is really important to them. I'm I'm interested to see how that Austin visit goes after Wisconsin, and to see if Wisconsin can shut the door before he even goes there, because I think that would that would speak volumes. And, and really, this is the type of guy that I think could really help them on the defensive line, especially if you land. Um, Isaac Ham uh, a few weeks before that, I think that then you really got the makings of a really solid defensive line. Yeah, I think that would be a, a really good grab. I mean, four-star defensive tackles uh, are not 
necessarily uh, something that comes around a lot for Wisconsin football. They've started to recruit that position at a higher level, but in the past it hasn't always been that case. So if you're winning battles like that and with you know an in-state guy like Isaac Ham, you're all of a sudden setting yourself up pretty nicely um, for the future at that position that sometimes has been a little bit weaker than others. So uh, I think getting him on campus and seeing how he competes with, um, you know, seeing how Wisconsin competes with a place like Georgia Tech in Texas is going to be Certainly a challenge. You know, I've, I've never been to, to Austin, but I've heard it's an amazing place. It's very similar to Madison, um, and I would guess Georgia Tech's campus has just as, as much wow factor. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how the Badgers contend, but I think you got to like their chances and, and where they're at right now. For sure. All right. Let's go ahead. We'll get our ad reads out of the way uh, here first. That's really all the news we've got. So uh, we'll stick with us through those, and then we'll get into our top ten most important Badgers for the 2021 season. All right, time to get into this list. Now, I don't know about you, Matt, but we're going through, was there a certain process that you had for this to, to go through? Because for me, I didn't necessarily, it, it was a, trying to find a balance between, you know, I didn't want to talk about too many of the same names we talked about earlier in the week because all those guys are important. But I think in those top 10, sometimes you know what you've got with a lot of those players, but at the same time, they're also the most important. So that part made it really interesting where I think I've got some some off-the-wall names a little bit um, and also some guys that were on that same list. So how did you kind of go through um, in terms of your process for this? So my process was really looking at what happens if the player either, one, doesn't perform well, or two, is injured, and really looked at how does that affect the rest of the team and kind of the complexion of the season, uh, at least, you know, 100 days out from when actual football is being played. So I really looked at, at those two key things that if what happens if this player plays really good or, you know, bombs the season and, and then injuries. What about you? Yep, I, I was the same wavelength, so I'm glad that we kind of, because it was a little bit more open-ended. And, yeah, I, I kind of said, you know, what, how how will the batters be impacted if this guy has a, a good year and then how this guy has a bad year? Um, so, so for example, for me, a name like Jake Ferguson for me, I actually don't have on there because he, I just I think you know what you got from him. I think he's the most – I think he's certainly an important player, but in terms of some other positions where if there's injuries, um, that he could be a guy um, that's not necessarily replaceable, but maybe you can get by a little bit. But there's some other positions where – I think if a guy has a bad year or goes down, it, it hampers you even more. So it'll be interesting to see where each guy kind of shakes out. So why don't we get into it? Who do you have as uh, your number 10? And then we'll work our way down to one, of course, being the, the most important player um, on the list. So for this one, and, and this, I'll be perfectly frank, this, this um, player or players, I guess you could say, could easily be much higher, and I could see them all the way up to number five if things go really poorly. Um, but uh, I would say the kicker. And right now we don't know, know who that kicker is going to be. Colin Larsh, Jack Van Dyke are going back and forth trying to figure out who's going to be that guy. And we've seen that kicking struggles have bitten this team in the past. And I would hate to see that happen again. Um, I, I That – that Illinois loss on the road is singed into my mind because that easy field goal that we missed absolutely crushed us and completely shifted momentum. And then it led to, hey, Illinois actually has somebody who can make a field goal, and they won. So I think the kicker could easily be like number five in this, um, and whether that's Jack Van Dyke or Colin Lars. But I think it's so important 
for this team. You you look at the statistics, they're not great from last year. Colin Larsh really struggles from, from distance, and he struggled inside 40 as well at times. Um, Jack Van Dyke, we don't really know what we have uh, or what the Badgers have in him. Uh, we haven't seen him kick in games much. So I think really it's such a question mark right now that we the Badgers need somebody to step up and play well this year, especially considering the fact that last year they didn't have the you know the elite offense that they would have hoped for. That field goals and getting points on the board is so important. So I, w- I went with the kicker. That um, they they get through multiple points every single game if they're making their extra points. Yeah, I like that pick a lot, and uh, I'll just I'll just hint at that they will be somewhere uh, maybe just a couple spots higher on my list as well. But I like that you you went with them because you know you you don't think about the kicker position when they're making it, but when you're in a situation like Wisconsin's had the last few years when they're missing it, you realize just how important that kicking position is. And coming into this year, and from what we heard in spring practice, there are some. I would say the com- the comments made in the uh, you know speaking to the media didn't necessarily instill a ton more confidence um, going into the the summer. You didn't feel maybe strongly about a situation there. So I, I think the kicking position certainly one that will um, be important and need to be on there. So I like that you had them on, and I'll uh, I'll hint that I'll have them on there soon. For me, um, in number ten. I went with, and, and this is a name that probably could change, but for right now I have Isaac Rendo. It could certainly be Chaz Malusi. could certainly be Julius Davis, but whoever is going to be that running back to I, I think is, is really important because we've talked about it um, a lot of different times. There's a lot of carries to go around in this running back room. I, I've kind of hinted I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about Jalen Berger, not in terms of talent, I've I've been kind of worried about the the wear and tear of a full Big Ten season. You know, he's a little bit smaller of a back, was kind of on a pitch count last year. So I think a running back two that you can really rely on is going to be important. And right now, from the two that they've got in in Grundo and Davis, you just don't have a lot of proven um, you know commodity there. So maybe it ends up being Ches Malusi, and maybe it's a two headed monster attack with Berger and, and him, and and those guys fill in nicely as well. And there's not a certain you know a big worry. But if they don't have that number two running back, I think that causes you concern. So you can get by, I think, a little bit if Jalen Berger does well. Um, but if not, in, or he gets banged up and you don't have a running back two that you can rely on, I think that starts to make you really um, you know, question and, and scratch your head at where this offense is going to go just because they're so reliant on running the football. Yeah, I, I think that is a great call. Um, I, I had literally on my candidates – Ches Malusi written, but I didn't want to go ahead and shoot that shot and say that he was going to be a Badger next year um, before he's made an announcement. So um, the second, I mean, I should say, we could be doing this exercise next week, and he would be on my top ten without mm-hmm. a without a doubt if he commits, um, just because I do think that he would be getting touches this year um, if he if he makes a decision to come. I like that you brought it up the running back to position just because there are so many carries that are available and that are going to be needed to to be there as well as the fact that, hey, Jalen Berger could go down, could, could uh, miss a game or two, and you want to make sure that you're getting those reps. Um, so I like that pick. I, I didn't have uh, a running uh, – two running backs, I should say. I didn't have two running backs on my list. Well, where'd you go for uh, your number nine? Um, I went with Scott Nelson. So he was a guy I didn't include 
in my top 10 players. Um, but I do think that he is a guy who's going to have a breakout year. I, I think he's a guy who's going to – his strong play, his leadership, he's a very talkative person. Anybody who's um, close to the field level of a game, you will hear him talking nonstop. Um, so in practices, he is by – other than Chris Orr, he was the loudest person on the practice field at all times in 2019. Um, so he, he's a guy that um, that is very vocal – helps out in a lot of ways. He's going to be able to, to make a lot of checks, be able to help the defense. Um, and you saw his improved play at the end of last year as he started getting more and more healthy. I think he is bound to have a really nice year. And I think just that vocal leadership element and a guy who can bring energy. Scott, uh, I think you look at Colin Wilder, another guy who's an energy guy who's going to be able to help this defense. But I think Scott Nelson is a player that, one, he, he, he brings some juice. He, he's a good, solid player that's going to be able to help them at the back end. But then also the fact that, hey, there's a lot of safeties behind them that I think elevated their standing in the program and gave themselves a shot to take over once Nelson and Wilder are gone. But I don't necessarily think that anybody is, is kind of at that level to where you're like, oh, if Scott Nelson goes down, you're feeling comfortable. So I think Scott Nelson's a guy that is really valuable this year for a lot of different ways. Yeah, I like that you said that, and and that actually that that works really well with my number nine. And no, we didn't plan this because mine was Colin Wilder, kind of going on the same wavelength where I, I kind of approached it like if somebody were to go down, you know, I think Scott Nelson, if he went down, would be much, uh, you know, more of a big deal and and a problem. But if Colin Wilder, I think, played really well and and really elevated his game, I think that safety position, just because you kind of know what you have with with Scott Nelson, all of a sudden you're in. Uh, a really good spot in in that safety room that you've got two that are, are really solid. So um, I, I like that pick a lot. And for me to have Wilder at kind of the same wavelength of number nine, that safety position is going to be important. You like what you got, but if either of them go down, all of a sudden you're going to guys that maybe you're not as comfortable with. I know Colin Wilder played a lot last year, was going to be expected to take on a bigger role this year. And I think Cannon will come out and, and have a good year. Uh, but if he doesn't, all of a sudden you're you're moving things around. You're putting maybe a little bit more pressure on somebody else to step up, um, whether it be you know the the young guys, the guy like Travion Blaylock, someone that maybe isn't supposed to be getting as many reps. So I think either one of those safeties, if they if they weren't there, um, or if a problem arose that they didn't play well, that that, that would be a significant part to the back end of your defense. Because right now I think you feel pretty good about what you've got back there. I like that. I, I think definitely. The outlook at safety is is strong, but but I, I think those top two you have to be excited about, but really a, little, a few questions still lingering about the guys behind them. All right, moving on down the list, who would you have for your number eight? Um, number eight, I went with Keanu Benton, and um, he, he was a guy that was right near the top of both of our lists, and, and while he is one of the most talented players, and he I mean, he just oozes talent. He, he's so strong, so big so quick and athletic for his size. But you look at it, and I think overall Wisconsin's in an okay place coming out of spring. He didn't practice much this spring because of an injury, and Bryson Williams is a guy who has shown you the ability to play inside. He could play outside as well, but you've got a guy who has experience behind him that, sure, he's not um, – Bryson Williams isn't going to be Keanu Benton, but at the same time he, he he's good enough to get you by – in, in most cases, and, and to keep your defense humming. 
And then behind them, you've got Gio Paez as well as a guy who can play inside or outside on, on that defensive line. And I think having that much depth at the position is is something that hasn't necessarily been the case for Wisconsin since they made the switch to the 3-4. And I think that's something to where while Keanu Benton is so talented and he changes the complexion of your defense, if they don't have him due to injury, um, I, I think they'd be okay. So I think his impact would have him in the top three to five. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that they have so much depth behind him bumped him down a little bit in my eyes. So I had him at eight. Yeah, I, I certainly hear what you're saying. It's it's that fine line of you know, balance, balancing between just the overall impact just due to talent and just, you know, in, in his case, Keanu Benton's case, being just a pure monster that impacts the game so much, but also what do you have around him or behind them that you could maybe rely on if something if something happens. So I, I like that pick a lot. I can certainly see where you're coming from with him. Um, he's just a guy that is is going to be so important for the Badgers, no no matter what. You know, be just because he he does so much. He, he takes on a lot of blocks. He, he's a really strong defensive tackle. A guy that if he has a strong season, you know, could be looking at the NFL. Um, you know, it, looking at the NFL draft next year. So I, I totally hear what you're saying um, uh, about him. For for me, at that eight spot, I put two guys, and I know it's 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 the same position. You know, that Alexander Smith, Dean Ingram, that third cornerback is for me a place that I think could make or break the pass defense a little bit. Whether it be someone else on the outside and Fayon Hicks in the middle um, as that nickel corner, or or whatever situation they work out. I think that third cornerback is, is going to be important because um, even and, and plus if one of the top two if, if Hicks or Caesar Williams go down that bumps up another guy that um, you know at least right now it sounds like Smith and Ingram are the guys and, and maybe they work into that slot position well but um, I think if you've got a third one that is playing strong up to the you know kind of what you were going into last year having Rashad Wildgoose I'm not going to say that one of these guys are going to fill into him and and impact the game the, the way he did but. I think that third cornerback spot is going to be important where if they have a strong year, could really elevate their game. But if they're struggling to find a guy that can, can step up in that third spot, I think that puts your defense in a precarious position uh, to start the year, and, and you want to have someone you can rely on. So I went with both of those two because I don't know who it's going to be yet. I think both of them sounded like they had a good spring. So um, as for right now, that's where I'll that's where I'll go for my number eight. Wow, we agree so much that my next number is that exact same spot. Um, just because you look at how much the Badgers use that nickel personnel and, and bring on that third cornerback or defensive back, or the fifth defensive back, because sometimes they bring in an extra safety, that you really look at that and they're a pseudo starter. And so I think that anytime you have a, a young player because both of them are fairly young at this point. I know Alexander Smith's been in the program for a while. Um, Dean Ingram's been on campus for two years. But really, you're still looking at guys who haven't played a huge amount of football. And and I would say that Samar Melvin is another guy that, if he's healthy, he could challenge for that spot uh, come fall. But really, I think those guys are going to need to to help this defense out and, and continue to be um, sure tacklers, making sure that they're um, – uh, being able to cover well and and be understanding that hey they're going to be put on an island sometimes so I I totally agree with you that's who I had um, at at that seven spot and, and like you I I don't know who it is whether it's going to be Alexander Smith or Dean Ingram my guess is it would be Smith to start but that Ingram will also see playing time 
but but really I think that third cornerback is so important in the Wisconsin defense. Yeah, I think that's just a, a spot in terms of if you did you know important positions. That that's certainly one that's going to be up there. No matter who the name is, you you just need someone that you can rely on there. Um, but that, that that's it works out well that that was your number seven. And to make it easy for my number seven, I had a name that was previously mentioned: Colin Lars, Jack Van Dyke, Gavin Myers, whoever the kicker's going to be. Um, got to make field goals. I think at this point we've already talked about it a little bit. We know the struggles that have been there. We we need. Um, you know, more consistency in that spot to, to, to feel comfortable in it. And, again, it didn't sound like this spring you got a ton of answers. So, uh, for me, I've got that kicker spot as well, which makes our, our first four very similar and, and kind of easy. So we'll skip right to number six then. Uh, who do you have for your sixth spot? Um, at number six, I've got Matt Henningsen. Um, you, you look at what he was able to do in 2019. He made so many plays all over the field, multiple touchdowns. Sacks. I mean, he he was he was really important to this defense last year. They missed him. They missed having that extra body to rotate in there. And now he's he's your most established defensive end this year. Rave reviews this spring about about his health and what he was able to do. He's one of the smartest guys on the team, and really probably in the Big Ten. And and I think that he's in for a big year. But the the main reason that he is on here isn't just his talent, but because if he goes down, you've got a whole lot of question marks behind him. And mm-hmm. um, just because we know the names of a guy like Cade McDonald and that he saw some time last year, or the fact that Rodas Johnson had a really nice spring, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready to be the every-down guy. And and I know that Isaac Townsend, guy who came on to the podcast, is going to be there, who brings a little bit of experience as well. But really – that's so many question marks and so many different players that we're thinking could it, that it could be. That doesn't tell us who it's going to be. Um, and so the last few years we've had uh, – the Badgers have had Matt Henningsen. They've had uh, Garrett Rand. They've had Isaiah, Isaiah Loudermilk. And you knew that, hey, those core three would be a really nice rotation. We don't know that going into mm-hmm. uh, this next season, and I think that's important. I, I think Isaiah Mullins is going to be solid on the other end. But I think that if Henningsen goes down, you lose an anchor to that to that side of the defense, and that would really hurt them both as in run stuffing, but also in the ability to disrupt and make plays because he made plays a ton when he was on the field in 2019. Yep, I, I think that's a great pick and one that I have maybe just a, a tick higher. Uh, I'll touch on my number six, and then maybe that'll work right into my number five, but um, for me, at number six, I had Jack Sanborn. When I was going through, I was like, you know what? I I, I kind of sometimes avoided like the Bentons and the Fergusons because I, you know what you've got there. But I think, you know, like you mentioned earlier with Benton, if he goes down, you feel okay with some of the backups. If Jake Ferguson goes down, you've got a little bit more depth at the the uh, the tight end room. Jack Sanborn, in terms of leadership and just pure abilities, the the plays that he makes is is so important, and I think for him, if he goes down, you've got Leo Chenault, the other inside linebacker, but behind them, I think it's a little bit more concerning where if you didn't have his presence in terms of game impact and just filling in behind him, it's a little bit of a concern. So I think if he's healthy and playing, you know what you've got, and it's not necessarily much of a worry, but if he goes down, you lose, you know. We talked about in our last episode, he was our number one player unanimously, so if you, he's essentially you're losing your best player, so maybe he's even a little low. But uh, I had him um, in my number six spot. 
Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, I, I do have him on my list as well coming up here. Well, that transitions me to my. I'll touch on my five quick because it's your the, it's your number six, and I had Matt Henningsen as well for the same reasons. I mean, you you've got Keanu Benton at the defensive tackle that you feel good about, but uh, again, if Matt Henningsen has a really strong year, and it could be Isaiah Moans too, you want to have in those three um, down lineman positions. You want to have, I would think, two that can really impact the game. I think. Both Henningsen and Mullins and, and maybe even one of the backups could, but uh, I think a guy like Matt Henningsen can really be a, a make or break for this defense where if he's playing well, making the plays like he did in 2019, I think that gives this Badger defense um, a lot more to work on. So I think that's a, a good spot for him, that 5-6 range, um, because he's maybe not the, the most important in terms of players, but he's certainly going to be a guy that uh, is is up there and will will make a big impact on this team. So um, with that said, who do you have for your number five? Uh, for my number five, I hedged on this one. And um, I know you didn't bring up Jake Ferguson, or you said that he's not part of your list. Well, he's he's on mine, but I have him and Danny Davis. Um, you'll remember that I hedged with Danny Davis and Chimray DK as the most talented um, from that wide receiver position last episode. I'm going to hedge again here and say Jake Ferguson and Danny Davis. Those are your top two pass-catching threats. And I think if you are missing one of them, you're okay, um, just because the other one can 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 carry a little bit more. Um, so I don't I see them kind of synonymous with one another. I think Ferguson brings you a little bit more because he's also a really good blocker. But you look last year and those two when they were on the field together, the Badgers put up 45 points against Illinois. Danny Davis had the longest reception of the year in that in that. And then they won. They had put up 49 points against Michigan. They didn't put up in those two games. They they put up what was it? 94 points. In the other five games, they didn't surpass that mark combined. So you're looking at something when they have them both there. It's it's so valuable. So I'm going to say that having both those pass catching threats uh, available is is um, most important for. For this, and I know that that's kind of cheating because they're both there, but but I just think they're both so important, and and that they really play off of one another. If one person's mm-hmm. away, the other guy's getting focused on. So so I I couldn't make a determination about which one of them is going to be more important than the other, but they they both deserve to be in the top ten. But I also didn't want to lose, say, a corner a cornerback or a kicker because I think that those are equally important. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear what you're saying, and then in that similar wavelength, I have one of those two a little bit higher, um, just because, yeah, if you've got one, you feel good, but if you lose one, I I can totally um, you know, see how it would be a problem, and we kind of have already seen it a little bit when, when one of them is down or, or not healthy, it impacts the other one so much, and when they both are healthy, the offense can really click, so I think that's uh, certainly a good pick. Um, for me, we're on number four now. I have Noah Burks, and and I also put a little bit of a question mark because it could be someone else in that outside linebacker room, but I, they got to have a little bit more from that that linebacker room in terms of of pressure. You know, last year the numbers were down for Burks a little bit. He probably didn't feel like he had um, the, the season that he wanted. It was a weird year, and there was a lot going on. So you can kind of offer up a pass, but. I think you go into this year and you're in a situation where you probably, you definitely need more, but you probably can't wait around too long where if it's not coming, you know, at what point does the switch be made to someone? So I have Noah Burks or 
uh, a possible you know, rotation guy. You know, Nick Herbeck, I think, will be in there, and he'll be important. But I think they need pressure from both of those guys. And if Noah Burke's going to be your experienced outside linebacker that you're relying on to get pressure, that's a big spot to and a big role to take on. So uh, I think his position is going to be key and, and a pass rush that's really going to you, – you like what you have up front, you like what you have in the back. It's going to come down to outside linebackers getting pressure. And last year they didn't get it sometimes, and, and you saw how it impacted the game. And uh, if they do get it, you see how good this Wisconsin defense can be. Uh, we're in agreement on that um, in a lot of ways because I've got Nick Herbig. Um, up next and with with that fourth spot and for many of the same reasons I, I just think that Herbig brings a little bit more explosiveness that um, can make it so that he is the dynamic player that you need him to be which allows Burks because at this point I honestly think that Noah Burks is who Noah Burks is mm-hmm. um, and that the 2019 Noah Burks that we saw is going to be similar to what we see this year and and that's nothing wrong with that because that's a, a phenomenal role player that's going to be able to help you out in coverage be able to to get a few sacks be disruptive at times um, be take advantage of some opportunities but but really he's not going to be dynamic I think that Nick Herbig with another year in the weight room a full year in the program and some experience under his belt is going to blow up. I think he is going to be um, the guy to get after the quarterback that they need him to be. And if if teams have to adjust to take him away, it opens up more doors for Noah Burke. So I think that Nick Herbig is is my number four, and a lot, for a lot of the same ways that you brought up with with Noah Burke. But I, I just think that he is going to be the guy that that they need him to be this year, and, and really try to elevate that pass rush. Yeah, I, I think you just need somebody to to really take on that 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 key pass rush role. You know, whether it be either of those two, um, someone's got to be able to get after quarterback, up that pressure because when they they just when they didn't have it, you saw the impact that it had on the game. So I, I think um, both names can can certainly be up there. And I, I like the point that you mentioned. Maybe you just know what you've got in, in Noah Burks, and you you need to be more reliant on one of those younger guys. So um, I, I certainly hear where you're coming from for me. So. Um, so that was our number four. So we're up to number three. Who did you have for your number three? And, and then I'll touch on mine. Uh, I went with Sanborn um, just because he's, he makes your calls on the defense. He runs everything. He's he's your top player on that entire defense. He's a leader in so many different aspects. He, he brings a toughness and tenacity that I think this defense needs and feeds off of. So he, he's not overly talkative. He, he's not going to be somebody who's – who's going to be as loud as Scott Nelson and bring energy like that, but instead he's going to do let his actions do the talking and, and he'll hold guys accountable. So I think Jack Stanborn, um, you probably are okay with a guy like Mike Mascalunas stepping up if he's out for a few series. But if you need to, if he goes off the field, that's a, that's a huge shift because now Leo Chanel is having to make calls or Mike Mascalunas is making calls. And and the fact that that's a pretty big drop in in talent level, mm-hmm. which is which is nothing against Mike Mascalunas, but but it's there's a reason that I mean he's a six year walk on who's done some, some really nice things for this program, but he he's not Jack Sanborn, a guy who could have probably left and and tested the NFL waters this past year. So I think Sanborn is um, is is up there, and so I kept him pretty high, not all the way to the top, just because I think you got to tr- you trust the defense a little bit more than some of the offense. But but really, I think Sanborn is is just going to be vital for this year. Who did yeah. you have for three? 
Yep. So I kind of had the, um, the the similar thought of I put Danny Davis, but I kicked around whether having Jake Ferguson or Davis on there. Um, I, I think with without Danny Davis, um, you're I, I think you're going to have a little bit of a struggle because everyone can kind of focus on Jake Ferguson and, and possibly vice versa. I mean, I think you know what you've got in, in Kendrick Pryor as a reliable receiver. Shermery DK is a guy that I think can elevate his game, but I think Danny Davis is just a a difference maker on this this offense where if he comes out and, and has a big year that you know he, you know he's got the skill set in there we've seen him make these plays and you, you saw a little bit last year that he had a connection with with Graham Mertz it's just a matter of, of having him out there and if not that takes away you know your deep ball threat it takes away possibly you know your number one receiver threat and, and all of a sudden it makes them you know opposing defenses key on some of the other guys you know um, they can focus more on Jake Ferguson um, they could focus more on on taking away the run. So um, I, I like the the point that you made when we talked about them earlier of of having one or the other always on the field. I think is going to be important because um, they do they they work off e- each other. You know they, they oftentimes line up with with Ferguson on one side and Davis on the other or vice versa. You know Ferguson tight. So uh, I think the way they synchronize them in the offense is always good. Um, and, and I think he's going to be such a key where if he has a big year, this offense could really take off. But they don't have him on the field and, and he struggles, I think you could see some hiccups again in this offense in 2021. Oh, for sure. I, I think I think you have more depth behind Davis this year, which makes you probably feel a little bit better. Um, and when I say you have more, you have the same cast of characters, but mm-hmm. you've got a little bit more experience behind them. Um, and you hopefully will have prior um, still healthy. But, but I agree. I think Danny Davis needs to be on this list in some way, shape, or form. So I'm glad that we both had him on there. What did what did you have for two? So for two, I had Jalen Berger. I, I kind of just looked at it and said, you know what, if if he's not in there, you know, maybe you land Chesma Lucy and it's not as big of a deal. But right now, you know, if you've got the running back two in there as as key, I think the for me, I, I think running back one ha, has got to be in there. I, I think he's so talented. You've seen what he can do, and now he's going to take on a bigger role. You know, being the the leading probable leading ball carrier for a team like Wisconsin football is a big role. Similar to Noah Burks with or, or the outside linebacker getting pressure. That's what Wisconsin's defense relies on and Wisconsin's offense relies on having, you know, someone that can that can put you in, in positive positions and break some plays. So it was hard for me to not have uh, you know Jalen Berger pretty high up on this list as well. I think these top four spots are, are all really important, but for me, um, you know, Berger's just gonna be uh, a difference maker on this offense that you have to have uh, on there. How about you? Uh, totally. I'm in a perfect agreement with Jan Berger there, and I'm guessing that means we're probably in agreement for number one as well. But but I think that's when you look at the complexion of Wisconsin's offense, it makes sense that we would be in agreement here. And based off of what we saw last year, based off what we see for the future of Wisconsin, and based off of kind of how bad this offense was last year, they they regressed monumentally and. They didn't have a running game outside of when Berger was there. I know Groshek ran wild against Minnesota, but really you're looking at it, and Berger was was your your one guy that you could really trust and and kind of demonstrated a flash or, or an ability there. So I think Berger is just going to be absolutely huge this year. I think he's going to get many more touches than he did last year. I would anticipate that he gets maybe a little bit more run in the pass game because he mentioned that the teams were able to key in on him and know that that meant they were going to be running when he was on the field. 
And so I think you'll see him be more, a more well-rounded back and, and get plenty of touches. I, I, I do think that the if Ches Moussi joins, I think that shakes it up a little bit where he might fall down that list a little bit more. But, but right now you look at Berger, and I almost thought about putting him number one based off of the fact that Wisconsin needs a running game. You've got a group of offensive linemen who are primarily built as row graders, as blockers um, for the run. Wisconsin uh, isn't always great, and I would say right now a lot of the guys that they have on the offensive line aren't phenomenally strong as, as pass blockers and are more suited towards a run, run-heavy scheme. Jalen Berger is that run-heavy scheme, and he needs to get as many touches as possible. I expect him to have a really good year, but really, you you look at it, and they need him healthy. And after this spring, you look at the depth behind him, and we'll, I know that could change with Malusi, but really, I think he is he is so important going into. This yeah, I, I think with without him, you're in a really difficult spot, um, and you you just the offense is so reliant uh, on a guy like him. So he's got to be you know in one of those spots and. That transitions us to, I believe, number one, the, the same player. Um, I've got Graham Mertz. I would have to think that you do as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, well, let's just talk about that a little bit. I, I think for if you did this exercise with any team across college football, I, I think you would say you know, the quarterback spot can be you know, the most important on a lot of different teams because it's just such a vital position to the game overall. You see it at the pro level, too. I mean, the quarterback position has – becomes such a priority where if you don't have a uh, quality quarterback play in, in your system and a guy that's playing well, it hampers the whole offense. I think if he has a really good year, you could see this offense really take off. If he has a really bad year, I, I could see, uh, once again, them kind of stalling um, you know, the way they did last year. So um, you know, not only in terms of Graham Mertz and talent and taking a step this year is going to be important, but just that quarterback spot is is so key for so many different teams across the country and Wisconsin really – isn't any different when you look at the way they, you know, kind of progressed last year. Yeah, he touches the ball every single time on the offense. And and if you have a player that touches the ball every single time, that's going to impact their importance. And so you look at it, didn't have a huge, a, a great year last year, had had some flashes, had some great games early on, um, dealt with that shoulder injury, didn't, didn't produce to the level that you would hope for, for really the middle of the season in a lot of ways. So, I think he's destined for a much better um, show this year, but but really his play is going to be so crucial for this team. They need him to have a good year if this offense wants to get back to scoring at a high level. And with kind of some question marks at running back, it's all the more important that Graham Mertz is on. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with you. I think if you pulled – um, Wisconsin fans, I'm guessing 85% of them are going to put Graham Mertz as the most important player this year because what he does is going to be magnified in, in so many different ways and really be um, the crux of the offense. So he needs to have a good year. All right, folks, there you have it. Well, that's our top 10 most important. Um, I think there's a fun exercise, a lot of agreements. You know, you can hear some of the same names in different spots because you, you can see that these guys are all going to be key for Wisconsin to either A, have success if they have strong years, or B, maybe um, you know cause them a little bit more struggle if they have down years. So hopefully you guys enjoyed listening uh, to this one as well as the top 10 from earlier in the week. So We'll be back with you at some point next week. I know with the holiday weekend, um, that might shift the schedule around a little bit, uh, but we'll be sure to, to have an episode out for you guys um, next week. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Wisconsin.
Thank you.